0: Fabulous with Vips and Vicky, the ThinkShift podcast for professionals who aspire to be fabulous leaders, those who not only succeed but also purposefully seek to reinvent the world. Welcome to the Be Fabulous podcast, episode six Levels of Thinking. In this episode, we'll dive into a deeper introspection on why we all want to be strategic. We'll introduce The ideas of levels of thinking and how you can use them to get ahead and tackle some of the world's most difficult problems. And Vicky sets yet another thinking challenge. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome
1: to Be Fabulous, episode six. In this episode, we are going to discuss the five thinking levels and why they're so important to being fabulous. But before we do that, I wanted to give you a quick recap of what we've covered in the last few episodes. So in episode one, we touched on what it means to be fabulous and why it's so important to be fabulous and how the world needs constantly adapting leaders who are looking to reinvent the world. We discussed our four non-negotiables and what they mean at the superstar performer, awesome manager and top-notch exec level. And then the next four episodes, we dove deep into each of the four Ds and what are the four Ds and why are they so valuable as a leader based on leadership trade theory. And in this episode, we're gonna go into a very different but equally relevant direction, which is about the thinking levels that are necessary to be a truly fabulous leader. And as you start to understand them, you'll start to get a sense of where are you operating. So with that, VIPS, Introduce us to the five thinking levels.
0: You sound like a BBC presenter. It has to be said. (laughs) I I think you missed your true calling.
1: Someone described our podcast as... When they get on a Virgin Atlantic flight from LA to London, and you hear that voice, <laughs> soothing you as you get into the journey ahead across the pond.
0: Well, well, that's kind of nice. It would be quite nice to get on a plane again. It has to be said. I, I can't, you know, I couldn't, I can't ima- I can't believe that I'm saying I'd be looking forward to getting back on a plane. But, uh, but yes. Okay. So, bringing us back to our topic at hand. Um, yeah. So the idea behind thinking levels. Um, I really came about—I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, uh, probably longer. But, but it kind of crystallized, and it was really because I got fed up of having conversations with people about what is strategy. Like everyone wants to be strategic, right? You tell me, Vicky. How many people do you come across who who
1: oh I want to gosh. do more
0: strategic work? Oh my
1: gosh, Vips! I've just had a conversation in one of the organisations I'm supporting where they've all been told they need to be more strategic, but no one knows what it means. <laughs> Okay. I meant to get out of the weeds but what does it mean to be more strategic it's one of those overused words
0: it is it is and and the thing is also I I, I thought about it for a while you know why is it let's I mean, this is riff for a minute why is it that people think why are people attracted to the idea of being strategic right we're, yeah. we're around professionals all the time there is clearly an attraction right there's a
1: well, there's there's this, 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 What's this, this, the
0: sexiness this, about being strategic? What is well, it? Well, there's this
1: feeling that if I'm strategic, I'm above the fray. I'm operating at a level where I'm above it all. It feels calm up there. It's like you're above the storm and you can see it all. And you have some semblance of control. So clearly you must be an executive if you're up there somewhere. So it's got this panache. So you're not it's doing anything,
0: this... therefore. You must be an executive, therefore. <laughs> you must be strategic. Is that basically what you're saying?
1: And you can see it all. Well, that is that is one of the misconceptions about yeah. where people get attracted to this. It's not the only one, but it's definitely one of the... It's tied to if I'm strategic, then I'm on my way to being an executive. That must be a good thing. And a little bit like we touched on what does it mean to be a manager that most people haven't really thought about other than babysitting a few human beings. It They haven't really given it much thought. Like, What does it actually mean to be strategic? And then how do you do it, which is even harder once you understand what it means.
0: Yeah, I think it's also somewhere along the line. You know, this is my cynical Brit coming out, Vicky. You're 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 an, opt, you're an optimistic South American, ter- South South African, South African turned, South African turned uh, Californian, and my cynical Brit says, "Well, someone somewhere figured yeah. out that if you give people a strategic title with strategy in their title, then it makes them feel good about themselves. So you can pay them less." And uh, I don't know if that's true either, but there's definitely an attraction to the idea of shove strategic uh. in my title. And that must make me more important or more valuable or more expensive. Or someone on LinkedIn will find me more because some SEO algorithm will say that because he's strategic or she's strategic or they are strategic, that uh, somehow they're worth more. And you, you, you took me back, Bips.
1: Yeah, you took me back. I remember when having a strategy title was the, the thing uh, where you go into organizations and they would be a, G, a chief strategy officer. I don't see that as much anymore. But, but it was a thing for a number of years back there. Do you remember those days?
0: I'll, I'll, do, do I remember those days? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's a little bit like we had. Like up, a nightmare. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when you try and outsource anything, innovation, diversity, to a particular person or role, that's when you blast the plot.
0: Yeah, it gets very tricky. So that's how this came about. So to bring us back to our topic at hand. So the, 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 the idea was, why is it that everyone, everyone strives to be strategic? Okay. So the way this originally started out was, you know, I, th- I think it was actually in the days of Quedis, when, when we were talking to, you know, what I've described as bright young things without aging myself. Um, and you try to explain that that you think you are talking strategically, but you're not, because that's it was what, what constitutes thinking at a higher level or thinking strategic is really relative to how you think today or where, you, where you're where positioned today. So. You know in, in, how this started originally was just as a way of illustrating to people that that one person's strategic is someone else's tactical. Hmm. Yeah. So the example I used to give was if you're if you're really really junior, let's call it the superstar performer journey. Okay. Then tactical looks a lot like the tasks you have to do. The, you know, just the, the sh- whatever it is that you have to do: churn out reports, write code, whatever it may be. Okay. It's the tactics of what you go about doing. Then you go up a notch and you think of operational. So this is what the managers do. They write metrics. They they tell us what, you know, they have a nice dashboard somewhere that says we've got throughput X, throughput Y, productivity levels of Y, or maybe a customer acquisition chart. These become your operational metrics, right? These are, these are things you do to operate your business, okay? And then the third level that sits above that is strategic, right? And supposedly you're trying to, you know, um, articulate some sense of direction, some sense of where we should be going. This kind of idea. Okay. Now the problem is if you're if you're in that superstar performer journey, what constitutes strategic looks a lot like should we build this in the cloud or should we use Azure or should we use Amazon, right? <laughs> that that's strategic. Okay. But then let's say now you go to you're you're in that top notch executive layer. Okay. And let's say you're um, a COO, or, or maybe not even COO, just just a very very senior in operations, okay, or even in technology, okay. What's going to happen is what you think of as tactical at that point will be will be architectural decisions or team decisions. What you think of as being operational will be whatever metrics are associated with your, you know, how quickly are we going to be able to bring a product to market or what's our level of nines on our resiliency, or whatever it may be, okay? And what's strategic at that point becomes becomes a conversation of our business model is going in this direction, therefore we need to be innovating in these areas in order to be whatever, in order to drive our organization forward. So if someone who's junior comes to me, and I'm an executive, and says, I want to have a strategic conversation with you, and they start talking to me about some framework, okay, all I'm doing is telling the executive how tactical I really am. <laughs> so that's how this came about. Does that, does that make sense? I I'll, I'll kind of want you to react to that.
1: Yeah, it does. You know, for one of our conversations, we need to talk about whole brain thinking. Because when we think whole brain, I had an example this week of somebody saying to me, look, I'm talking through my relational voice. And actually, all he was doing was talking through his analytical voice with a relational tinge to it. (laughs) He just—he's analytical.
0: He's talking analytical voice, talking, but just using the word "people" many times.
1: Exactly, and it's just reminded me of that, which is—it's—it's—it's still the voice you always use. You're still still very tactical. You just dressed it up in a layer, but it doesn't really resonate. You know, the other thing that comes to mind—I'm watching Upload. It's great. Amazon Prime. Have you seen it? And the, the manager of those that manage the individuals that have been uploaded, I mean she's your quintessential not awesome manager. <laughs> but everything is managed by number of stars and number of swipes and and when you say operational metrics, it's all about her looking at, all right, I'm gonna knock you down from four point eight to three point eight, how do you like that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kinda of how this came about. So what 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 kind of happened was as i started working on this i kind of realized that you know people don't realize how much of an own goal they score when they when they're in that earlier stage in their career journey and they start trying to be strategic and by doing so demonstrate how tactical they really are it's like a it's like an own goal it's it's insane right but you don't realize it when you're in there when when you when you're at that when you're at that that's that that feels strategic to you that feels like a big um like a big important decision, one that should be made by someone who is more experienced, got more money, got a nice VP title or whatever, right? And so you, it, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting challenge. So the point is, one sees what constitutes strategic through the lens of where they are. Okay, I, I, I probably I mean, think of Bill mm. Gates, right? What he thinks is tactical is probably most people strategic. When he's thinking of strategic, he's talking about global health of the world, right? I mean, I, I, you know. Ending, ending, malaria. ending malaria. I mean, and poverty I mean and, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so you know, when we go to him try to have a strategic conversation, you come at it from something that Microsoft might be interested in. He's like, well, down in the weeds. I <laughs> don't care. Right.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's all, all relative, relative and that's
0: really saying. how these five levels came about. So what what happened was, uh, you know, what I was trying to do at some level was expose the idea of systemic thinking. And that's a discipline. That's a, that's a, you know, for those of you who don't know, that's, that's a thing. That's a, that's a discipline in itself. And, and it has this idea of levels of thinking as part of that. And that's, that's for systemic thinking. And, and really what what I did was I, I, I tried to take some of those ideas and really just morph them into the reality of what day-to-day professionals feel. Okay. To try to make it a bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so in the, you know, in, the, in the original sort of systemic thinking, there's a model out there called the iceberg, right? Which you may or may not have heard of. And it, it really says that, you know, at the top of the iceberg are the events. So we, we, we react to events, you know? We react to catching a cold, whatever it is. And, and events are the things that we react to. But what we've got to realize is whatever we're reacting to is this tiny little tip of the iceberg. But, you know, do you know what percentage of icebergs are normally under the water surface? It's about 90%, right? So when you go below the surface, you get into the sort of, from events, you get to patterns level, okay? And patterns are the trends that you see over time, if you will, okay? So your job becomes, it's not to react to those, it's to anticipate those. And then you have, you know, below that, you have underlying structures, you know, what influence those patterns? What are the relationships between the parts? And you have to really, when you're dealing at that level, you're designing, okay? So what can I, how can I design that, those structures differently? Which, by the way, So, you know, when when people do things like organizational design or business model design, that's kind of what they're talking about. They're trying to get to those structures, okay? And then below that, you've got mental models, um, which are the assumptions, the beliefs, and values that people hold dear. And those are really where you get transformational change. That's what you have to transform. If you transform mental models, then you're going to have a change in underlying structures, which is going to change pattern and trends over time. Which is going to mean that events you used to have don't happen again. Okay, that's that's basically the idea. But that that was really unwieldy from a professional point of view. I, I, I in my my experience, most it's almost too conceptual. And I'm quite a conceptual person, and I was having a hard time explaining that to people. But but um, you know, that resonate with you before I kind of explain our five our five stages, Vicky.
1: Yeah, it it does, and I think for our listeners, the concept of an iceberg and the bit you see and then the bit that's under makes a lot of sense because it applies in so many different areas of our life. And so the way you've described it and unpacked what we react to, the events, and then what's under that, the pattern that creates those events, and then the structure that makes it up, and then our beliefs, I think is a useful way of of framing that up. So let's make it practical.
0: Yeah, so what I did was to make them a bit more accessible. Okay. And, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that they are adapted. Okay. And i try to make it simpler. So the first idea is just tactical. Level one is tactical. It's tactical. And what it looks like is tactical problem solving. And it tends to be associated with a immediate action mindset. I see this problem. If I do this right now, that's going to solve that problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, need to get a project completed if X and Y occurs and I do this right now, then so-and-so is going to get this project done, okay? It's very immediate in nature. So when we're operating tactically, it's very, it's it's like we're in the velocity of task execution. Does that make sense?
1: And it's where a lot of people operate most of their time. They're in firefighting mode. They're always reactive. Absolutely. They're not in the place where they want to be, and it's not, not necessarily their own doing, but it's the, the systemic nature of whatever's been created. O- o-
0: it. Often it's not what people... But there's one caveat to that. O- often a lot of people um, <laughs> say they don't want to be doing it, but they love doing it, because the benefit of doing tactical stuff is people think of you as a hero. You it's the dopamine
1: hit. hit. Yeah. You know, every yeah. time you take something off, yeah, it feels yeah. really, really good. Yeah. And how many times have you heard people say well, I, I, I can't do anything about it. It's just the way things are around here. And some of that's true, but some of it is they're actually not taking personal responsibility. Yeah,
0: but because I think about it. Yes, they are. And they're, but they're also, if they're in a tactical mindset, action mindset, they can't see the action that they would do that would give them an immediate result. So it's like, if I can't take an action that's going to give me an immediate result, why bother? I'll go and do something else that, that that I can do something, you know, immediate with and get an immediate response. And, my brain will be happy because it will have more dopamine and my life will be wonderful. So my, my point is people trap themselves in there. Yeah. And then from a midterm point of view, they don't want to yeah. be there. But from a short term point of view, they get addicted to it.
1: Absolutely. And the system tends to reward it as well because it's all about blocking and tackling. People can see stuff Particularly
0: happening. in the startup world or the technology world where we've kind of fetishized this idea of constant tasks, constant actions, constant throughput, constant delivery, right? And then even some of the more colourful role models we have in our industry kind of um, sort of promote and practice that. So what happens is um, it is very efficient from a throughput point of view, yeah? But whether it's effective or not over time, it's a different question. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Well, I was looking at the latest stats uh, just yesterday about coronavirus in the US and Productivity numbers and the latest stats are: we're working fifty percent more hours with the same volume. Yes, yeah. <laughs> pre-Corona. So that tells you again: it's it's tactics, it's it's busyness, but it's not it's not any more productivity or results. So what's tactical bits?
0: Operational comes okay. next. So think of this as think of this as what your managers do, right? As a in, in most corporate environments, you know the idea of the quintessential manager, you know, and it's, this is about. I see that I see the, the tasks that we have to do. I need to see the projects we have to do. I see the product pipelines we have. How do I operate this, meaning the business or my department or my team or my division, to keep the train on the tracks? Okay? So if we recruit, you know, whatever, 20, 25 people over the next month, that would be a good metric. We need to have a team that's focused on X. We need to have a team that's focused. Like, it's very... It's, it's very, what do I need to do to make, to make sure that all the tactical stuff that I'm churning out continues to churn out, yeah? And, and it's operational. Yeah. So you, the, the idea behind operational is all you really think about is how do I make this as efficient as possible?
1: And that tends to be a place where a lot of managers get stuck, and it's what I call the, the letter of the role, not the spirit, because it's necessary, but the spirit is also to build a high-performing team and remove obstacles for them, and it's much easier... To get caught up in the metrics and the process and the systems of things getting done, then trying to figure out how, how the hell do you build on a high performing team?
0: Absolutely. hard. Absolutely. So what happens is you end up operational, if you think about operational metrics, they because you're chasing efficiency and optimization all the time, you are inherently going to dehumanize and automate as much as you possibly can. Right? You want things to be super um, lean if you will right i mean lean in the natural sense rather than as a as a as a framework and a tool okay you want things to be super lean because efficiency is the way forward the problem is you really can't there's a there's a certain amount of fat that you have to have in order to develop people for a longer term so you can be very very lean over a short period of time but at some point you know your muscle starts eroding and then your skin and bones and then you die, right? So this is kind of why, um, if you only have a tactical and operational mindset, it tends to be very hard to build high performance teams because you tend to you tend to get caught in the misery of perpetual attrition. You, 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 never, you can't keep your best because your best people just feel like they've been worn out and used up and tossed out, okay? And so the operational machine just then focuses on making sure I can recruit more people tactically and then you have this constant machine where nothing, ever re- nothing really ever improves from a structured, in a structured way, but everything just manages to, the train manages to stay on the track. So it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like no new track is ever being built. No maintenance is ever being done on the track. So at some point, what's gonna happen is that track's gonna fail, but until it fails, you just blissfully carry on in the hope that the train's gonna be fine, right? That's kind of the idea, okay?
1: Okay. And so what's after operational? I kind
0: of gave it away. Structured. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how many people uh, picked that up. I know. I I could see you smiled on the video, so you picked it up. (laughs) So, So structured is where you're kind of going above operational. Now you're thinking much more in terms of policy, structure, accountabilities. What are the outcomes? Like the mindset here is much more about what are the outcomes I'm trying to achieve? Yeah? So... Now, now you're looking for structured answers that are going to create the right operational metrics and processes so that hopefully, the stuff that you're doing tactically is more of the stuff you should be doing and less of the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. It basically allows for evolving, okay, and innovation. okay. So, but but it's also, it still also wants to feel kind of in control, if you will. <laughs> Okay, so it's still it's still engineered, if you like, yeah. And people who think structurally, you know, engineers, by the way, you know, generally engineers as a, as a discipline tend to think quite in, in, in structured ways. The problem with the problem with the reason why often structured gets overlooked is because it's easy to think that that's overhead, that's not adding any value when you're actually doing it. So it's like, you know. I don't care if our structures are right. I just care that this product launches in two weeks. Okay. So what then happens is you end up optimizing for time to market and you end up ultimately creating an inferior product, but you don't really care because what you were trying to prove was time to market. You weren't trying to prove that you could do something in a structured, robust and sustainable way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And back to your engineering example, from a technology perspective, that's where you start to encompass and get so much technical debt. That uh, over time it becomes something you can't get yourself out of. And also,
0: the other reason why people don't like structured thinking is because it gets really bloody complicated, (laughs) okay? Because you have to start thinking about, well, hold Mm -hmm. on, for this to happen, then this person needs to talk to this person, or this department needs to collaborate with that department. But we know that product people don't like technical people or whatever, right? And, And so you get this kind of, well, I'm kind of better off just staying within my department, which is an operational mindset thing, so people, people don't really want to do the structured stuff because it's like, it's just too hard. Like, I, I I'm trying to get finance and marketing to work together is too painful. Let's not bother trying. Let's just go back and worry about our own departments.
1: So what are some of the risks when we don't think structurally? We gave one around engineers introducing technical debt.
0: Well, what really what happens is um, your organization becomes unsustainable as you grow. So what, what actually happens, you know, your, your, your chaos, starts imploding in upon itself. And you you plug it by, if if you're profitable and you're making a lot of money, then you just plug it by adding more people into the mix. But what happens at some point, you've got so many people doing something that no one really knows what anyone's doing and you lose all accountability. And that's kind of all fine, so long as you're making tons and tons and tons of money and shareholders aren't complaining. But as as, as soon as you're not making tons and tons of money or when you drop into recession, like we just did this week, for example, then you suddenly start caring a lot about how you're making money or if you're operating in a in a resilient way, how you're handling. Um, in, in fact, if you look at how most companies responded to COVID, yeah, they did not have a structured way to deal with that kind of challenge. Now, most of the world didn't, I hasten to add. Mm-hmm. Um, but But companies that have been around for a long time who have been through different types of crises, they did have a, okay, this is kind of like, we need to roll out our crisis playbook and we kind of know what we should be doing. Those would be structured answers to those solutions, as an example. So you, you get burnt. You get burnt when something unexpected occurs if you don't have structures in place. And you have, a, you have very little resilience if a key leader leaves or a key talent leaves or a department decides to spin off and go and do its own company, right? You, you, you destroy the economic value of your company if you don't do that.
1: And it's why transformations are so hard because you're trying to, from a structured yep. perspective, change the way things are set
0: up. And people who have an operational mindset dig their heels in, right? Because, because their operations is their, is their fiefdom.
1: Yeah, yeah. And anything that changes that is very uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 All right. So what's level number four, Vips?
0: Okay. So level number four is what I call systemic. Okay. And and the way I like I like to describe that for this purpose is. It's, it's when you look at everything through the lens of the wider ecosystem, okay, or, or, or the constitution, the choices and consequences of every decision that we make, how we're all organized. So, so for example, using the COVID example, one might argue we have made a systemic decision yeah, that it, it's better to get the economy working and lose more lives than it is to save more lives and not have the economy working because the downstream consequences of the economy not kickstarting back up could be even worse overall. Now, whether you subscribe to that view or you don't subscribe to that view, that is a systemic choice,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah? but And time will tell. Time will, but it's also painful because system, <laughs> yeah. syste- systemic choices just don't have... There's, there's always pain, yeah? There's no... There not ever really a a true win-win there's only ever um you know what's the optimality that we can achieve across everything while being suboptimal for any one of these elements yeah so it's kind of like when we see this a lot by the way with companies some companies will treat partners and vendors like the evil empire right like let me screw them to a wall let me Mm -hmm. let me make sure i get the best prices possible from them and, and sometimes we even compensate them from it for it, right? If you can save us, you know, whatever, 20% from our procurement we will give you more of a bonus, that kind of thing, yeah? Procurement department's set up that way. But, but when you're thinking systemically, you've got to realize that if you genuinely have back. partners, yeah, if you genuinely are dependent on your vendors and partners and your wider ecosystem and you treat them like shit, then what's actually going to happen is sooner or later they're going to go away if you screw them to the wall too much. And then you're going to have a different problem because systemically, you're gonna to have to find an alternative. And quality of any sort, it's just hard, it's just rare. <laughs> it's, it's just not as plentiful as people think it is. So when we're looking at it through the lens of the community, the economy, the world, you know if we're tackling those sorts of issues, we have to look systemically. Otherwise, because we have to understand the trade-offs and consequences of every decision that we make. And most people don't want to go there because it's really, really hard and in to be honest, in most companies um, you don't really need it till you're very high up, and there's not that many people in the company in, in a company that need to um, and therefore we don't train people too much to think systemically
1: mm. yeah, and an example that comes to mind for me looking at organizations and what it's going to take for them to be truly fabulous is it's because we don't think of them systemically what tends to happen is we hire people for particular roles and as you touched on they come and go depending on if they've been taken care of or not and how much money the organization has so we keep we keep hiring and we tinker around the edges but we never really get to the point where we've systemically solved for what it is that creates a place that is truly fabulous, where people are growing and stretching and delivering the results you want. And it's why 80% of the workforce is disengaged. It's why we have these stats, because nobody's looking at it systemically. And so the amount of effort operationally and tactically to keep bringing on new people and checking whether they fit or not, and we know that every time you introduce a new team member, it introduces 73% more stress, it's crazy, and if people could understand the systemic ba- value that you get, if you do that well, yeah. it's powerful, yeah, yeah. but it's not
0: easy. Oh, it's not easy, and it's also really tricky. It's like one might argue that the only reason why techies, systemically, the only reason why technology people earn so much money is just because there aren't enough for them to go around. And that is
1: always changing.
0: Yeah, but it's more that there just aren't enough to go around. There's a fundamental supply and demand problem for many, mm-hmm. many years. So as long as demand exceeds supply, you can be pretty average and earn 200K, yeah, 300K yeah, plus, okay? Now, the problem, so what's going to happen at some point is that's going to suck more people. Like educational institutions are going to be churning out more computer science, MSC, sorry, um, MIS-type graduates. And what's going to happen is you're going to have more demand, you're going to have more supply. And so what's going to happen is all these people that are three, four, 500 grand are not going to be worth three, four, 500 grand because you have to get it cheaper elsewhere. But, but that's a systemic, like that, that, that could only be solved generationally through more people being attracted into those sorts of educational disciplines to create more supply to, quote-unquote, solve that problem, okay?
1: But it also means that organizations have to get better at, you know, something I'd love to see an organization do. I I, I, I know we did it at Quetis, but I have yet to see another organization do it well. I'm sure there are some out there. But it's to... Measure the people that you're hiring a year down the line. Are they one of your top performers? Are they one of your top 10? That's right. Are they one of your stars? Because if they are, then you know what you're doing from a hiring perspective is working. And if they're not, then you've got to really question the value of the churn you're creating in the organization. And, and very often, recruiters and talent acquisition folks are based and measured on, on metrics and bums and seats. And it's a numbers game. And when it's a numbers game, the, the consequential impact is huge, but nobody sees it until it's too late.
0: Because we create operational metrics that make us think we have the KPIs in place, which makes us feel like we're efficient and doing a good job. So, so really, so the reason for these five levels of thinking—it's a really good example, Vicky—of where you optimize for one level of thinking, you end up with a different right answer than you do if you optimize for a different level of thinking.
1: Hmm. Yeah, meaning
0: so so it's that 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 that. If you're in an operational mindset, setting those KPIs and running a recruitment department through how many of you sourced this week, how many of you interviewed this week, how many of you are like, yeah, how
1: that, many of you filled? how many of
0: you yeah. filled this week? That makes all the sense in the world from an operational mindset point of view. It well, is insane a business, from a systemic point of view. <laughs> well
1: you're filling a business need because they can do the job that's open. That's you're feeling an you get
0: operational to... need.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But you might not be, you might not be feeling a systemic need. If the department that you're hiring for needs to go away because it's adding no value to the economy anyway, right? So that's what I mean. So, you you, you know, we we don't we don't know, yeah? The the key reason for the thinking levels is for all of us to recognize that there is no right answer. If we optimize for tactical, that might be the wrong answer for structured. If we optimize for structured, it might be the in the short term the wrong answer for tactical and so forth.
1: So what's one to do
0: this? know what you're optimizing for and balance across short, medium, and long-term. So, so we should probably do the fifth one, but the basic takeaway from all of this, uh, if you're in, in broad terms, the higher up you go up the fabulous journey, if you like, the quest, as I began to call it now, the quest from superstar performer to awesome manager, top-notch executive, fabulous leader, what you should be finding is your, the amount of energy that you're spending... On the levels of thinking needs to also increase. So, for example, if i my journey to superstar performer, most of my energy should be spent on tactical and some on operational because that's what I'm that's what I'm going to be wrapping my head around. To. Yeah. yeah. Now, when I'm in my awesome manager journey, it should really be operational with a bit of structured, okay, and also tactical, right? Because I've still got to manage the people in my team, and chances are I'm still expected to do a good chunk of the work I used to do before. Okay. So I'm now I'm now spanning sort of two and a half thinking levels, if you like yeah? And then if I'm on that awesome manager to top-notch executive journey, okay, then I should really be spending a lot more time operational and structured, okay? And maybe even start thinking a little bit about systemic if I have, if I'm getting close to that C-suite, if you will, okay? And if I'm in that C-suite type zone, then I really should be predominantly spending my time on structured and systemic and hopefully, hopefully a little bit of meta, which we haven't got to yet. Um, And That's that's really the thinking journey. So and across the set, across an organization, we have to look at that like a balanced set across a six-month or a 12-month or an 18-month period because we just have to make sure that across the whole, we are doing doing enough of the right tactical things. We are doing enough of the right operational things. We are doing enough of the right structured things. We are doing enough of the right systemic things. Um, And the fifth one, doing enough of the right meta things so that overall, we're balanced.
1: So,
0: talk to us about meta bits. All right. So, meta is is the I couldn't think of a better term for this. There probably, probably is a better term. Maybe someone can recommend one. But the way I look at that is, this is more of um, this is when you look at everything through the lens of nature, evolution, cycles, ethics, humanities as a species, and this is kind of where you realize that in the end, everything boils down to a choice. We have to make a decision. And a value judgment or a mission-based call on something that we believe to be right, wrong, important, not important, whatever. Okay. So so it may, it may make it make no it may no it may make no systemic sense to tackle certain problems or structured problems, but at some point it might just be, you know what? It's just wrong. We need to do something about racism. To use a topic of of the of the times. Okay. That has to be, at some level, a meta decision to do something about that, because we know there are systemic injustices in terms of how the world's working. We know that's creating structures that don't work, and we know that's creating operational metrics that don't work, and we know that's creating tactics that don't work, okay? But that, that, that is a choice. At the end of the day, that is, that is a bunch of humans coming together and saying, I am going to choose to make a stand on X, yeah? Yeah. So that would be a good example of meta.
1: Yeah, that is a good one and, and it's, very, it's very different when you're doing it from that meta perspective because when you're doing it from the operational perspective, you're looking at it from the number of h- hires from a diversity perspective. Sure. It, it's, you know, it's at that level not that that's a, or have you done your diversity inclusion training or your unconscious bias training, you know, it's very much that set of tactics and operational metrics as opposed to are we fundamentally changing our mindset and belief system around why this happens in the first place.
0: And that's, uh, that's very true. And that's why these things are so hard. And, and I think, you know, to, you know as a, you know, one of my um, pet peeves in all of this is it's very, very hard to engage in, com- like what I want to do with this podcast and going forward with the book and so forth, is that I think that it's very hard for us to solve the world's most complex problems. And that's what we want fabulous leaders to do. We can't really do that if we're not able to have all of those conversations at um, all of those levels and recognize that the answers, they're hard. Then they, 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 they're different, you know, the conclusions it draws takes you to are different. And that's where it's, you know, it's, it's very difficult to engage in that kind of depth of dialogue when it's being driven from chaos you know whether it's our response to covid whether it's the world's response to racism whether it's you know just even even you know a flood in new orleans you know when when you're when 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 things get very emotionally charged it's very difficult to engage in all five levels because because the red to use another whole brain term the red kind of takes over and um and that and these problems, I mean, they're so hard and they're complex, and they are worth working on. They are absolutely the right things to be worth working on. But they are, they, they just, they, they are hard and they're going to take a lot of time. And so we need to be making sure that our, you know, our companies, our, our, our nonprofits, our communities, are all trying to tackle all of these at different levels, rather than only optimizing for one. And that would be my hope.
1: So, Vips, what if I go into the, the challenge for this week, the five thinking levels challenge, and then you can sum up with That'd be awesome. some key takeaways. How That'd be that awesome. Sound? All right, guys. So you've heard the rich discussion that we've just gone through and in Vips's introduction of the five thinking levels. So here's what you need to do if you want to think about are you operating at this level. Look at your last week. Over the past week, Think about the different interactions and decisions you made and ask yourself, what levels were you operating at at different points during the week? What activities and decisions were tactical, getting stuff done, what were operational, those that were metric driven and trying to drive an outcome, those that were structured, so they're more about the overall structural way things are set up. Did you get that far? Did you even get to the systemic level? I I expect most of what you'll do will be in levels one and two. That's where most of us tend to live, with a little bit of three. And then once you've done that analysis, look ahead at the coming week and ask yourself, wherever you ended in the past week, where could you get to this week? So if you could only get to tactical and structured, sorry, tactical and operational, get to level three this week. Think about getting to structured. So there's your challenge.
0: That's an awesome challenge. I think it's going to take people some time to wrap their heads around it, Vicky. Um, but, you know, to, to circle it all the way back to strategy, <laughs> <laughs> So think about it. If you're predominantly tactically thinking, you're going to think operational looks like strategic. If, you, if you're predominantly operational, you're going to think structured looks like strategic. If you're predominantly structured, you're going to think systemic looks like strategic. And if you're predominantly systemic, you're going to think meta is really strategic. And this is why I can't stand the word strategy.
1: I think that is a beautiful place to end. (laughs) All right, everyone, have a fabulous week. This was a deep one. I'm sure we're going to be listening to it many times over. I know I will. There's a lot of richness in there. And we will see you again next week. Be fabulous.
0: Thank you, Vicky. Fun as always.